petitioning for Mother's Day week, but that hasn't quite made it through Congress yet. But we are excited that you're with us. Before I get started, we have some, the newest mom ever to come to City Life Church, ever, ever, ever. She just rolled out of the hospital today, but I heard she's here. Where is Caitlin and Dustin? Stelman literally just left the hospital. Will you run this back? Someone gave us a goodie bag that we didn't know about with a flat iron and all kinds of pampering girl products. So that's for Caitlin as she recovers. So we're so excited. Special Mother's Day weekend. If you didn't hear, Celeste Agate had her baby today, right, a few minutes before noon. So they're doing great, their little boy. And Celeste are at the hospital and don't want visitors tonight. That's the word on the street. Um, so don't go to Riverside and ask for the Agate family. But they are doing great. So how many know that when we become a mom, it changes everything? It really is a, such a joy to be able to share God's word and encourage our moms tonight. And so I believe that God has something to say to each one of us, regardless of our life role. But I do want to encourage and talk directly to our moms tonight out of God's word. And... Um, Everything changes when you become a mom, yes? I remember very distinctly driving home from the hospital, afraid that we were going to wreck at every intersection because the baby was in the car. I remember turning on the news and thinking, that newscaster is someone's baby. That was someone's child. You know, that athlete on the football field is someone's son right now. And I'm not a real compassionate person. I have to work on that. And so that was new for me. Like, that criminal is someone's baby. Like, I just, the world changed. The other thing that changed in becoming a mom of many things that changed was, um, I don't know if we're allowed to talk about it at church, but your body changes. Yes, ladies? Yes? Yes, ladies? I'll, I know I'm still a little bitter because I never, ever got the comment, oh, your baby looks like you. It was always Fred. And I'm, you know, nursing, you know, lactating, you know, stretch marks, the whole nine yards, and none of the kids look like me. It just, still a little sore about that. Um, but motherhood changes everything. And so one of the things that it changed for me is my body. And then when you when you partner that with what I like to call the passing of time, I don't like the word aging, but I like to say the passing of time, it, it then really changes things, yes? And so I found myself this past fall going into a doctor's appointment to address the passing of time for Vanessa, because I think I've been in denial for a couple of years that I'm getting older, and um, I'm trying to come out of that, so tonight's my night to say I'm in a new season. It's called Aging Gracefully. I just turned 39 a couple of weeks ago, and so when I was 35, I called this doctor who came highly recommended. I had heard her speak years before. She's given her 25 years of practicing to helping women age gracefully, all of the issues of aging, and both traditional and non-traditional. And so I was very excited, and I was told there was a waiting list. And so every year, for like three years, I would call the month of my birthday. So I got the call last summer that they had an opening. Would I like it? I said yes. They said, all right, we're going to send you a packet in the mail. It was 18 pages, front and back. I had to email and call grandma and my mother and my aunts and my sisters to get all of the information together. But I found myself last October walking into the doctor's office having mailed them my 36 pages of data, information, everything about my lifestyle, um, everything about my education, my medical history, my stress, my eating, my exercising, my lack of, my overeating of, all of that was in there. I had already gone and gotten blood work, and they had done a full hormone, th you know, th hormone workup, and 
So I had my list of questions, and I knew that I would have time with the doctor, and we were going to be looking at, you know, what it is to age gracefully and answer all my questions. Because I was sure that there was probably a little white pill that would fix it all, but I'll tell you that later. Um, so I walked in, and like every fabulous doctor's office, ladies, what is the first thing they want you to do? I'm not really sure why they need to know this to treat us. What do you have to do? You have to step on the scale. It's terrible. It's the curse of the doctor's office. Yes. And am I the only girl who they're like, the nurse is like, ma'am, if you'll just step over here on this scale. And I'm like, oh, no, just one second. And I start taking off my belt, my earrings, the shoes. I mean, if, you know, if I'm comfortable with the nurse, it's all coming off because I don't like that scale. So I find myself getting invited onto the scale. And as I step on, I notice this big banner that says, as seen on Oprah, over the scale. And she flips up these handles. And so she says, hold right here, and she goes on to explain to me that this is going to do a complete body composition analysis. And as I was standing there, she said that it's sending electrical vibrations through your body. It is reading the three things you're made up of, which I thought I was such a more complex person than that, but I clearly not. I'm made up of water, lean muscle mass, and fat, hopefully in that order. So I'm not going to tell you what order in my body, but those are the three things, and it breaks it down to your appendages like your limbs, your arms and your legs. It tells you where you're storing your fat. It measures your water level at a cellular and intracellular level. They can tell you if you're dehydrated, all these things. And so it was fast, but she didn't give me an option, right? She's telling me this is happening as I'm standing there. And then the machine starts to spit out what I have affectionately, small print for the front row, I'm just saying, <laughs> have come to know as the graph from hell. She hands this to me along with all the other data that I have now provided for this doctor's office. And she says, Dr. Ro uh, Dr. Moss will be right with you. So this really is an amazing information about me, not any big surprises, the number of calories burned at rest. So that's the number that if I lay in bed all day, I know that how many brownies I can actually eat. Um, just saying. Um, so I went in and I had this incredible hour with this doctor, with my list of questions and and her list of tweaks and changes and suggestions and all of this. And, and there was no, you know, the good news was there's nothing wrong with me. There's no little pill for me to take, you know. Am I not the only one that wishes there was? Here, take this. You'll lose 20 pounds and you'll look 20 years younger in just a couple weeks. Um, the good news is that, you're not, you know, that everything's fine. The bad news is everything's fine. And so she takes this after answering all my questions. She takes the little graph from hell and she pushes it across the desk and she looks at me very doctory and lovingly and she says to me, Vanessa, you now know you have the potential to reach all of your health and wellness goals. You now know you have the potential to reach those goals. I said, thank you very much. I left. I got in the car and her words stuck with me because what I realized she had just said in a really nice professional way was, girlfriend, the ball is in your court, and now it's up to you if you're going to do the hard work to reach those goals because there's nothing wrong with you. You have everything you need. And I began to think in my car ride back from Williamsburg. I was driving back to Newport News, and I just felt like God started to speak to me. So it is for each one of us, when we become a devoted follower of Christ, God looks at us and he says to each one of us, you now, as my son and my daughter, have the potential to fulfill all of my dreams and my plans and my purposes for your life. But if we're really honest, how many know that not all of us will do that? Not all of us will leave that place of potential and see that fully unleashed in our lives. 
So I want to talk a little bit tonight about unleashing our potential, positioning our life to unleash it, because I know lots of people who have incredible potential, but they're not necessarily positioned to unleash it. And I think we understand potential, don't we? We get that. We, we know what it looks like, particularly as moms, because if we're stewarding our children well, we're, we see the potential in their lives. We see the seed form of talent and aptitudes and abilities that are God-given. And, and if we're a good parent, we're, our job is to come alongside and, and to put them in an environment and provide the moral training and, and, the, and the life skills to see that potential then flourish into something that can then launch them into the plans that God has for their lives. So, we like participation at the City Life Church. When you hear the word potential, who do you think of? It doesn't have to be a mom. It doesn't have to be anybody in the church. It might not be someone that I know. But for dark chocolate, I know you'll participate. As every good Mother's Day sermon should have. This is sea salt soiree. I'm very excited about this one. Toffee interlude is another favorite. Okay, so potential. Raise your hands. When you hear the word potential... You're my runner, always. She, she, yeah, she's the bomb. Okay, ma'am? Sorry? RC Youth Group? That's a good one. Stephanie's going to run. Okay, someone else? Yeah, Jasmine. Graduating students. Awesome, awesome. Okay, someone else. Potential. Maybe, maybe the name of an, an actual person who you, when we think of them, you go, they're living out their potential. They're doing what they were meant to, to do. Your mom, isn't that awesome? Kudos, points on Mother's Day. Your mom, Steve? John Maxwell, absolutely. Influential, doing something that maybe not everybody could do, everyone can do, perfectly placed. Jennifer? Your husband, oh, nice, yeah, your husband. Okay, so you see him, you know the inside scoop on him, and you know that he's living up to potential of his life. Tyler? RG3, I was waiting for a sports one. It was funny, I was sharing at a women's conference and it was all sports analogies and it was all women. I thought it was so funny and then like, you guys are good. So RG3, one more. Do, am I out of chocolate bars? All right, April. Who? Oh, Shani, Shani Jensen from our own church. Yeah, she's a real ambassador, where she is in the Air Force and what she's doing. So, so we understand potential. We know it when we see it unleashed and we know it when we see it in children. And so what I want us to be encouraged in tonight, what I want us to look at in the life of Mary, actually, because she's a mom, and I used to think Mary was kind of puny. I thought blue was a bad color for her. She didn't say a lot in the Bible. She had a big role, granted, but I wasn't raised Catholic, so I just didn't value Mary probably the way I should. Now Mary has become one of my heroes because what I have come to realize is that Mary is one of those people in the Bible who we see had a very unique calling on her life. And she not only had a calling, but that calling was fulfilled. She finished the race and she did it. So I want us, if you're here with me tonight with your Bible, you can open up to Luke 1. I want to... Read out of verse 26. This is a super familiar passage. It's the exchange between Mary and the angel Gabriel. And I want us to focus on Mary's interaction here, what Mary says. It says here in Luke 1, verse 28, In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. Her name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, so here we've got the angel. He's showing up to her. She did not expect him. He says, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. And Mary says, 
she she doesn't say anything. It says, Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. Another translation says she was confused and she was disturbed. So she was pretty sure the angel had the wrong girl, yes? And so the angel keeps talking. He said to her, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. You're going to give a child. He goes to give her all these details, right? And these details are not... um, helpful, I would say. (laughs) They're big, sweeping overviews that probably raise more questions than they actually provide answers. And she says to him in verse 34, how will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? How many know that Mary probably had a long list of reasons how this would happen? And she just asked a simple logistics question, how? I want to come back to that. So the angel goes on to tell her, the Holy Spirit's going to come on you, surprise, a virgin birth. I mean, can you imagine that what she was hearing in this moment? It's, it's amazing. And he goes on to tell her that Elizabeth is pregnant, her aunt, and she's even with child who was barren. And then he, the angel wraps up his instructions to her by saying, for nothing is impossible with God. And this is her response, go Mary. She says, I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you have said. That's New Living Translation for God, I'm in, I'm your girl, let's do this thing, I'm on board. So what I see in this interaction with Mary and the angel Gabriel, I shared just a few thoughts on it at our brunch in the fall, and God has continued to just open up this for me, and I want to encourage us tonight, is some little nuggets of how Mary had already positioned her life so that when this transaction happened, she was prepared, she was ready, and she was able to to do the job because what's important for us moms is that yes we respond to God so we can fulfill the potential of God in our lives but I don't know about you moms I know that as I respond to the Lord if I don't unleash and fulfill the potential that God has in my life I know that it's going to in turn have ramifications in my children's lives and there is nothing I want more than to launch my children off the shoulders of my life into the plans and purposes that God has for them and we can do that no matter where you find yourself in your mothering journey tonight or your fathering journey or you're being a son or a daughter or a young professional each one of us we can look at our life and we can we can compare it with some of these things that we're going to look at tonight three attributes that I see in Mary's life and so I want to go through these three things and I find these just convicting and encouraging all at the same time the first one here is that Mary embraced God's definition of who she was. The angel said to her, greetings, highly favored one. The message Bible says, Mary, I come to you and you're beautiful inside and out. He was calling her by who God saw her to be. And she was troubled. She was disturbed. She was confused. She was pretty sure that God had the wrong girl. She probably had a long list of all of the reasons that she was not capable or unqualified for the greeting and the title. And yet we find that she didn't stay in that place very long. I don't know about you, but I want to be, have that turnaround time in the positioning of my heart. That I am a woman of God who has embraced who God says I am. Because how many know there's lots of things that the world says about me? But the only thing that should define me is what God says about me. Some of us stay so busy reminding ourselves why we're not capable when God comes to us and he calls our name and he talks to us. Some of us spin out there. Some of us, it slows us down just for a little while. 
But we need to get to a place where when God greets us and calls us by who we are in him, that we have so absorbed it into the DNA of who we are that we, we declare it with our lives. Because moms, let me tell you right now, that, that your children, that the world around you, will, will, they'll know if you being a valuable daughter of the king is a bumper sticker on your life or if it's part of the fabric of who you are. Do you understand the difference? You can say that you're forgiven or you can know that you're forgiven. Do you understand that difference? And so many Christians, so many friends of mine, so many people, myself included, I've struggled with this and made it a mission to let the definition of who God says I am become part of the fabric of who I, of who I say that I am. And what we find in Mary's life is that she did that. She did that well. I want to read to you from the difference between verse 28, troubled, confused, and disturbed. Same girl, 20 verses later, just a few short weeks later, we find in verse 48 of that same chapter, Mary had had the interaction with the angel. She traveled to visit her aunt Elizabeth. We know that John the Baptist left in Elizabeth's womb, and they had this moment of God confirming, of confirmation of what had happened with Mary being true. And Mary, confused, troubled, and disturbed, then says, she launches into what your Bible calls Mary's song, yes? And verse 48, she says, For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant, and from now on all generations will call me blessed, for the Mighty One has got done great things for me. Mary, I believe, was now declaring a prophetic song, declaring this is who I am now. She went from God, you've got the wrong girl, to, oh no, this is who God has said I will be. This is my legacy. This is what I'm passing on to the generations. She had an amazing difference of a positioning of her heart from verse 28 to verse 48. And so, Mom, I want you to hear tonight, men, women, you are forgiven. Has, is that instructing your everyday thoughts, your everyday lives? Moms, you are capable of what God has asked you to do. You are worthy of the calling of God on your life. Amen? These are just scriptures that I'm saying to you, right? God's word says that you are lovely. No, you are lovely. Can you say that? You are lovely. God sees you as lovely. He sees you as whole and complete. He sees you as lacking nothing. And I'll tell you what, my husband on his best day and my best day still does not see me as lacking nothing, nor should he, right? Nobody on this earth is going to see us as lacking nothing. What a precious gift God gives us that he sees us that way. He knows the truth, but he sees us complete and finish in him. And when we begin to put that on and walk in the truth of that and let the definition of who God says we are begin to instruct every part of, who, of our life, it changes everything about how we speak, about how we view people, about how we respond to our spouses and our children. I'll tell you out of my own life, um, such a, just a practical example of this, because the world has a lot of things to say to women about how we look and our outward appearance, and I had an amazing mom, but one thing I didn't know how to do was how to talk about myself in a way that reflected all of those words I just read. Well, excuse me, lovely and beautiful. But I knew when they handed me a little girl in the hospital nine years ago, and we didn't know the gender, so I had to unwrap her and check that they weren't pulling a prank on me. 
And when they handed me this little girl, and when she started to wear the pretty tulle dresses with the bows and spin in front of the mirror, and she thought that she was the center of the universe, which she should, I remember looking at her and thinking, God, I want to do everything I can as a mom to, to, to protect that, to help her understand who you say she is. So she doesn't just spin in front of a mirror when she's three, but she can do it when she's 13 and when she's 30 and when she's 60 because she knows who she is. And I knew that I didn't have the vocabulary and a comfort level with how to do that. And so when I'm talking about embracing the definition of who God says I am, I'm talking about really practical things. So I actually would go in the bathroom and I would practice ways to say compliments about myself instead of tearing myself down. Ways to talk about myself in a positive way. Humble, but a positive way of how God sees me. Because I knew that if I could do it in front of my daughter, that she would then think that's normal. Isn't that beautiful? She would think that, that of course that's how I talk about myself. Of course that's how I view myself. Of course that's my identity in Christ. And so, when, so whatever it is that you might struggle with, you're, you've got to roll up your sleeves and get practical in, in embracing the definition of who God says you are. Because it takes work, but I know that you were custom designed for that work. You will, none of us will fully reach our God-given potential. And I'm not talking about going to heaven. I'm talking about bringing heaven to earth. There's a difference. If we don't fully embrace this idea of, God, who do you say that I am? And then let me live that out in a very practical, practical way. The other thing that Mary did, which blows my mind, is she had predetermined obedience. What does that mean? She had said yes to God's plan. You ready, ladies? Control freaks, type A personalities, raise your hand. Before she knew the details. That is really an amazing thing. And it is something that God asks of us when we say yes to him. He doesn't give us the whole package. He doesn't break out the details. And we're really good, aren't we, as Christians to, we quote Jeremiah 29, 11, the plans I have for you, plans to give you a hope and a future, yes? But this, that same promise can be said over in China and in Africa and on all parts of the world, but you know what? There's no details in that plan. And God's plan for our lives, as we all know, are filled with nitty-gritty details. I find this convicting because if you're anything like me, when it comes to God's plan, I kind of treat it like a real estate contract. How many have bought and sold homes? Has anyone here bought and sold a home? I, we've bought and sold a couple of homes, and we're probably, Fred and I are probably like the nightmare clients for the real estate agent, because we bring our little Sharpie pens, yes? And you know how you have to, <laughs> Christy's like, great. <laughs> you have to, Jason Kearney, you have to initial the pages, and sometimes you even have to initial paragraphs, right? So we come, oh, oh, we do. Yes, could, we'd like this to convey, and we X out this paragraph, and can we move this to this page, and can the owners do this, and we'll do this, and, you know, we're constantly renegotiating the contract, because that, that's how I view sometimes God's plan for my life. Wait a minute. I said yes to your plan, but God, I didn't know it would look like this. I didn't know it would <laughs> include this hmm, did I, can I renegotiate that part of the contract? Can, can I, is there an initial on that page? And God says, oh no, oh no, you said yes to my plan. Now you have to trust and obey me in the middle of it. And I really, really had an encounter that I hope and pray changes me forever in this when um, five years ago when we moved here, 
it was, I guess we'd been here only about 20 months, if, if those of you that know our story, but you know, we, we had bought a new home and we found it was out that it was constructed with toxic drywall imported from China. And so overnight, we found that we had been breathing toxic air. We had to get our children out. So we were renting, you know, we signed a, sh uh, we moved into an apartment for six months and we were paying our mortgage and all of this financial crisis and moving and chaos and, and all of this. And I found myself in my townhouse without my kids, with my windows up, with the mask on, looking at my beautiful home, knowing that it was uninhabitable, knowing that we were going to probably lose everything in a conversation with Jesus. Can I just be honest with you? <laughs> God, I said yes to come to Hampton Roads, to leave Richmond, leave our home, leave our family that was there, leave a really comfortable, beautiful situation. And I said yes to you, but God, I didn't know it included this. I didn't know it included moving four times in four years. I didn't know it meant losing our equity and possibly having to go through bankruptcy, which by God's grace we've not had to do and we won't have to. But in that moment, in the grit of the moment, I'll tell you what, I was having that conversation with God and I was saying, God, is it fair? Can I ask to renegotiate? Can, I, can we take this page out of the contract? And God lovingly, as he does, brought me to John 7, or excuse me, Luke 17. God knows how to give spankings and timeouts to adults, doesn't he? He's really good at it. So this is what God brought me to in my devotional life shortly after. It says in verse 7 there of um, Luke 17, suppose one of you had a servant plowing or looking after the sheep. So I usually just stop there. Let's pretend I have servants. I just stay there for a minute in my devotions. Then I keep reading. Okay. Back to reality. Would he say to the servant when he comes in from the field, come along now and sit down to eat? Would he not rather say, prepare my supper and get yourself ready and wait on me while I eat and drink? And after that, you may eat and drink. Would he thank the servant because he did what he was told to do? So you also, when you have done everything you were told to do, should say, we are unworthy servants. We have only done our, our duty. God showed me through this scripture and through truths that I knew from his word that, Vanessa, you are but an unworthy servant, and you don't get a special reward for being obedient. And don't we sometimes think that we need extra credit for obeying Christians? <laughs> don't we feel that way? It's like, God, I obeyed. It only took me 36 months, and I obeyed. I did what you asked, and we think we needed a reward or a pat on the back. God says, no, that's part of the deal. That's what I require of you. Moms, I don't know about you, but we're doing a biblical, biblical parenting class, and we're talking about all my students in here. First time what? First time obedience. Bring it. Hardest thing you'll ever teach your kids. We train our kids to obey the first time. We, obey, we, 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 we call them to a standard of excellence. I, I've done it for years with my kids. Guess what? God does the same thing for us. And I, I rarely give God the joy <laughs> How many have a kid that finally obeys for the first time? You do the happy dance. You go crazy. <gasps> Honey, you're going to be president someday because you just, right? Do I ever give God that joy? <laughs> do I ever, am I God's yes girl or am I constantly trying to renegotiate the contract? And that's where God just showed me in that scripture. We've got, I, Vanessa, you've got to get this down. You said yes to me and there are a lot of details, girlfriend, I have not told you about. You better get on board and you better stay on board because you know what? You can trust me. You can trust me. I don't know if Mary knew that a virgin birth 
was on the grid of possibilities when she said yes years before to, to Jesus. I'm not sure if she understood the work and the sacrifice and the emotional decisions and the journey that she was going to have. But I, I see in this exchange with the angel Gabriel that when she asked that how question, that simple how, she was already in an obedient place. She was just asking God a logistics question. How's it going to happen? I'm there. I'm in. I'm on board. And so I'm, I'm inspiring my own life and encouraging you to look at your life and ask yourself the question, am I a yes girl for the Lord? Because the Bible has a lot to say for those who trust him. But those who trust in the Lord, you ready for this? Psalm 3410, will never lack any good thing. And can I just tell you that God has been faithful in my own life. I have not always trusted in the way that I should, in the time that I should, but I can tell you when I have chosen to trust him and in the living out of trusting him, I have not lacked any good thing. The Bible says in Romans eleven twenty two that God is kind to those who trust in his kindness. And then it goes on to say, this is scary, God, stop trusting and he will cut you off from his kindness. We don't memorize that in kid life so much, right? The cutting off and the spitting you out. Another scripture that I read and reminds me, such a good reminder, 2 Timothy 1.12, Paul is in prison. He's not in today's prison, right? He's in the prison of, of, of biblical times. He's been beaten. He's got open wounds. He's probably got bugs and, and, and lice and rats around him. He's likely, not to be gross, but he's likely sitting in his own remains. Let's read the Bible as it is written. And Paul says in 2 Timothy 1, verse 12, I am not ashamed of it, meaning his situation, where he's sitting there in that cell. I am not ashamed of it, for I know the one in whom I trust. I'll tell you what, God showed up in that townhouse that afternoon, and he said, Vanessa, you better get this right. You better get this right. Do you trust me in the middle of the grit of the journey, when you can't see the beginning from the end, do you, are you going to obey me anyways? And then he goes on to say, are you going to do it begrudgingly? Are you going to do it with joy? If you were with us at the Devoted Conference in March, Christine Kane, one of the best things that she said was she said, so many times we're believing God for a miracle, and guess what? It's just a management issue. And that speaks back to obedience and trust. You know, you might be praying for a miracle in your marriage, but God just says, you know what? Are you shutting your mouth when you're supposed to with your husband? Are you loving him sacrificially? like you're supposed to. You might believe, be believing for a miracle in your finances, and God says, you know what, when you go to Target and you get sucked into all the end caps and you spend $62.73 extra every time you go, you're not living within your means. You don't need a miracle, you need to manage your finances. Do you hear what I'm saying, girls? That's what I'm talking about. That's where obedience, where the rubber meets the road with obedience, and how we are putting into practice the truths that God has spoken to our heart. Mary had predetermined that she was going to trust God and obey him, the whole plan. What I find amazing about Mary <laughs> is just, is that she did it, you know, we, we, we glamorize Mary because, you know, because we do. Nobody talks about the fact that, you know, she probably had a clouded reputation the rest of her living days in her community. She probably didn't clear the air with everybody her life. She probably walked around with Ill, a woman of ill repute and people stayed away. Maybe not with everyone, but probably many in her community. She probably 
her and Joseph did not have the most romantic start, yes? <laughs> right? That's a little rough. Marriage counseling, anybody? How about, how about this, moms? How about the dynamic in the home of sibling rivalry when you've got a child that's perfect and then you have other kids? Yeah? I saw a hilarious Christmas card. At Christmas, it was, it was two women riding donkeys, and it was a picture of them from the back, and there was a bumper sticker, and they were, you know, dressed as Mary is in all the pictures. Um, and one of the bumper stickers says, you know, my son is an honorable student at Bethlehem Elementary School, and the other said, my son is God. <laughs> so I'm not sure if all her girlfriends like to hang out with her. You know what I mean? Like, we romanticize Mary, but there was a very, there was very real work and side effects and, and, and things that she had to walk through because of the call of God on her life that she did not shy away from. I believe that Mary reached her potential because she had already sold out to it even before she knew what it was. So I want to ask you, moms, dads, young professionals, singles, youth, is God's plan for your life your highest priority? Have you sold out to God's plan, hook, line, and sinker without knowing the details? Are there things that he's asked you that you're still thinking about or things that he's told you to do? Christians are so good at saying, I'm going to pray about that. When God just says, shut up, quit praying, and do what I've asked you to do, yeah? We make it all spiritual. God told me this. God showed me this. I think I'll pray and I'll fast on it for three weeks. No, don't do that. Go do it, right? Are there things in your life, are there truths from God's word that you've heard, that God's pierced your heart, that you've not yet put into practice? That's what predetermined obedience looks like. It's a life of doing. The other thing about Mary that makes me just amazed at who she was and a, is that she knew she was made for this. She knew she was made for the life that God had given her, for the calling that God had put on her life. We know this because her response at the very end was, I am the Lord's servant, be it to me as you have said. God, I'm in. I'm in. If you say it, then I go from being troubled and confused and disturbed to hearing you say, for nothing is impossible with you, and I say, I'm in. She was not feeling bad for herself that she had this calling on her life. You know, if anyone had an excuse to not show up that day that Jesus was hanging on the cross, I don't know about you, but I would say Mary should have had a pass. That day when he was hanging there half naked, bleeding he was being spit on and made fun of, and he was being ridiculed by the entire community. If any day, if any person had the, had a, should have had a free pass to not show up and to stay home and have a prayer meeting with her girlfriends, it would have been Mary, yes? But where do you find Mary in the Bible? I find this so exciting. You find her at the feet of Jesus. On the ugliest day, with the least amount of hope, in the most confused place, not understanding the outcome, we find Mary right there at Jesus' feet because we know that Jesus went on to give instructions for John to take her away and to take care of her as his own. So Mary, in the worst, darkest part of her journey, she showed up, she stayed where she was supposed to, and she played her part. We also find Mary in Acts 1, verse 13, as the early church is being launched. Right? And if we follow the story, we know that Jesus ascends into heaven and he sends the Holy Spirit to come. And the Holy Spirit's going to come and equip the church. And the church is now his chosen vehicle to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to humanity for the rest of all time, which we are now players in. 
And so there's this moment when the Holy Spirit is coming and God is commissioning the early church and explaining to them what their part is going to be. And if you read, there's a long list of men and all the disciples, and you read that list, and buried in that list is Mary, the mother of Jesus. And I believe that's there to teach us that she played her part, she finished the course, she did her job, and she was there to be a part of the party, the celebration of what God had now done for humanity. Matthew 11.30 says, For my yoke fits perfectly, and the burden I give you is light. There's a couple of things here. The first is that you're going to have a burden. But God has designed that weight in such a way to match perfectly with what you were designed to carry. And sometimes I think we forget that there's a burden to the calling of God on our lives. See, the weight of your burden is not based on the weight of your burden. Follow me here. The weight of your burden is based on what you were designed to carry. Let me give you an example. We're boaters. We have a little 21-foot sea-doo jet boat, and we go out as a family, and our boat at capacity probably can seat eight adults. And, you know, if we're all on there and I bring extra drinks, sometimes you can tell, right? There's an extra cooler on board because we're going out for a long day. It's the kind of boat where if you were to um, go past the maximum capacity, you could really feel it. There's a capacity that that boat was meant to carry. Now, if you go down to the Newport News Naval Shipyard, there's also some floating vessels, yes? And those vessels are designed to carry 6,000 people at capacity. There's designed to carry 83 aircraft are stowed on board that aircraft carrier. They serve 18,000 meals a day. Mom, you think you got some dishes and some menu prep? Can you even imagine? When I was reading the statistics, I was like, just the food and the refrigeration that must be on board that ship. There's two nuclear reactors and seven decks and a superstructure on the flight deck. And that's what that floating vessel is designed to carry. So hear me, moms, dads, Christians. The weight of our burden is not the weight of our burden. The weight of our burden is based on what you were custom designed to carry. And what God says here is, I've, I've made you for the task. You are not a victim of the burden of the call of God on your life. You were custom crafted by the creator of the universe to carry your burden, to carry your yoke. And when we carry that yoke, the Bible says it is light. It is light because we were made to carry it. And sometimes I think we can get into a place of feeling cornered, yes? The call of God it gets hard. The weight of it feels heavy. And we begin to feel like a victim, we look at our life, we look at our circumstances, maybe we look at our family and we say, if only my husband was saved then, if only we had a different financial circumstances then. What I find interesting is that God is not going to take you home this afternoon, this evening, and you're going to go commit murder. But if he can, let, he can get you to believe that you could fulfill the purposes of God if only, instead of as you are today, in the situation and circumstances you are today, then he's rendered you ineffectual, and guess what? He's won. He's rendered you ineffectual, and in the end, he's won because you do not fulfill the call of God on your life. So many times, it's easy, isn't it, to look at other people's burden and say, if only I had that burden. If only my husband was like this, or 
or if only my children didn't have these special needs, or if only we weren't military, far away from family. I mean, so many, you know, Satan knows exactly the thoughts to feed us, to help us say, if only, if only, if only. The list is endless. And so I, I talk to lots of women who, who are constantly saying that, and, and, and all of a sudden they've taken on this victim mentality rather than going, oh, no, if this is where God has me, if this is the family that God has me in, if this is the task that he's given me, if these are the children that he's given me, if this is the husband he's given me, then I, that means I was custom made for this. I was made for it. And then you jump out of bed in the morning and it's a whole different ball game than the person that feels like they're a victim to that situation. Do you see the difference? And I don't believe on, on the very darkest day of Mary's journey that she ever believed she was a victim. She knew she was made for it. She held her head high. She showed up when it got hard. She showed up when it got difficult. And she finished the task. And I know for my own life, that's my prayer, is God, please let me finish the course. Let me become fully the person that you've called and designed me to be. As our worship team comes to get in place, I just want to invite you to consider tonight some questions. Are you embracing God's definition of yourself? Are you letting it absorb into the fabric of who you are and instruct your words and your thoughts and your actions and how you deal with people and how you mother your children and how you love your spouse? Is God's definition of who you are what you operate from? Because that's what God wants to give you. What is it that God has asked you to do that you're not doing? Are you in obedience? Are you walking in obedience? before you know all the details? Or are you waiting for the details and then you'll decide if you'll sign on? Because you know what? God passes people over like that. He, he won't burn in hell, but he's not going to use you effectually here because he'll ask someone else. If we, do not, if we do not say yes to the Lord, he will find someone else. He will move on. And then the third one is, are you confident in knowing that you were made for the task and not a victim? Maybe you spinning out in a place of looking at everyone else's burdens and wondering if maybe your life would be easier if you had their children or their home or their finances or their spouse. And God says, he wants to tell you today, you are perfectly crafted to carry the burden of where he has you. Not only are you made to carry the burden, but you're made to run with that into the plans and purposes of God. You're made to be victorious in that. You're made to be joyful in that. And you will find that it is the most fulfilling place that you can find yourself. So if you'll just stand to your feet as our, as our worship team, we're going to return in just into a, a song. And I just want to invite you, moms, dads, brothers, sisters, whoever you are, but particularly our moms, you know, we need to be called to account, don't we? We need to hold ourselves accountable for the truth of God's word. I want to invite you just to ask yourself, Am I living a life that's going to fully unleash the potential that God has for me? Am I going to not just do it for myself, but am I doing everything I can to launch my children into their purposes and destiny? Am I living a life of obedience? Am I living a life defined by who God says I am? Have I bought into any lies that say that, that if my life was different, like I could, I could, then I could serve God? Oh no. Have God show you, God wants to show you tonight right where you are, with the people that you're with, with the finances that you're with, with the education that you're with, in the community that you're with, he is perfectly, you are perfectly capable. Do you believe that? 
Father, I just pray right now as we return into a time of worship and reflection that you're just going to speak to our hearts. God, that we're going to be able to respond to you with authenticity in this place. God, that you would take each one of us, Father, and you would give us just a glimpse, Father, of the person that you've, you've, you've made us to be once that potential is unleashed, Father. Hope for unleashing our potential, God, that we would do the hard work that it takes now to become the person that you've called us to be, that we would be like Mary and that we would position our lives to fulfill all that you've asked, all that you've said that we could be in Jesus' name. I just want to invite you, if you want someone to pray with you, if you want someone to stand with you, you can come join me up here as we worship and respond to the Lord this tonight. Love. 
tonight, we just pray, God, that each one of us would respond to you with courage in this place, God. Father, that we would find ourselves wanting all that you have. Lord, that we would not want to live any way held back from the fullness of the call of God on each one of our lives. Father, that we would live in a way that when we reach the end, we would look back and we would know that we have been faithful to do and be the person that you've called us. And God, I ask that we would do it with courage and with passion. Father, we would live lives of obedience, lives defined by you, lives of victory, knowing that we were made for the task. Father, I pray that because of that as moms, we would be part of launching our children into the fullness of the call of God on their lives. That as we raise this generation, we would empower them to know you, to engage you, to live by your word, to hear your voice and be quick to obey. Father, that our children would see that in us and would want nothing less. So regardless of what part of the journey of mothering we find ourselves tonight, Lord, I pray that as moms, we would live up to the task. We would say yes to you tonight. In Jesus' mighty name, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. Go love your mother tomorrow, okay? We'll see you guys next week. Thank you.